welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. It's Friday. I'm Joe. <laughs> it's such a Friday, and I'm Brenna. <laughs> and our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Sequetan territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetan Ulu. And today's text, Plan B, is a road trip across South Dakota, Joe. So I didn't want to pick any one city because mm-hmm. we go to so many places in South Dakota. And the territories that are now South Dakota are the traditional lands of the Cheyenne and Sioux peoples. Right now, puberty is telling you to step on the gas. If your vagina was a car, what would it be? Ferrari. It stays covered up and completely untouched in the garage. Mine would definitely be a transformer. You think you know her? Boom. Autobots pop out. I feel like if you're following the metaphor, that means you have craps. What? We finally tried reverse cowgirl. And? Amazing, right? It wasn't that great for me, but... I feel like it looked cool. Girls are horse fucking and I haven't even had my first kiss. The fuck? Look at Hunter. Who plays hockey in a card again? He's like an athletic librarian. You know, Sunny's throwing a party. Really? Love a good high school party with the liquors and the touching, all the other stuff, drugs. It's a big night for you. Inviting your crush. Partying and drinking. I feel so stimulated. Is this what white privilege feels like? Take good choices. Joe, mm-hmm. I went into this movie understanding that it had an R rating. Yes, it does. I was still very surprised by the amount of penis. There, There is a lot of penis. There's <laughs> a lot of crude humor. There's yes. quite a lot of, uh, I, I mean, I think most of the film's rating comes from language because yeah. we are using quite a bit of profanity. But um, sexual frankness as well, which is maybe appropriate for a film that is dealing with the titular plan b right we're talking about contraceptives we're talking about teenage pregnancy potentially yeah and it was it's a really interesting film because it's very aware of the darkness of the current reproductive rights situation in the u.s Mm -hmm. and also it's in it's insistent on being hilarious throughout yes and sometimes those two tones clash a little bit. But for the most part, I think it actually does a really good job of managing to do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And we should acknowledge the people who made the movie. So this is directed by Natalie Morales, and it's from a screenplay by Prathi Srinivasan and Joshua Levy. It stars Victoria Morales as Lupe and Kuho Verma as Sunny. They are best friends have always been get up to all kinds of wacky shenanigans but uh, they decide to throw a party so that Sunny can try to make a gentle move because uh, Sunny doesn't make any decision impulsively or at least not until the events of the movie transpire but she's trying to get with Hunter who is played by Michael Provost and she ends up instead having a drunken hookup with Kyle, who is played by Mason Cook, and the results are which that she discovers, oops, he left the condom in her. Oh, God, that scene, Joe. Oh, God. <laughs> which we all much. knew it was coming. <laughs> I know, but I, oh, man. So I expected like a broken con, something, mm-hmm. but no, it's the whole entire con. It's just still 
in her and she yep. finds it the next morning when she pees and it's just very mm-hmm. visceral is how I would explain how that scene felt to me. I I would use that term to describe most of this film because, yeah, yeah as, as you let off the top, we're getting like full frontal penis, pierced penis. And oh, of God. course, the, the piercing gets ripped out in one moment. <sighs> this movie is a lot, right? Like it's going for big, broad humor because yeah. what ends up happening is, okay, yeah, so Sunny realizes, okay, I need to do something before my mom gets home. But when they try to go and get the plan B pill, uh, they are refused. And I want to circle back to the language that this pharmacist used. <laughs> but uh, it sends them on a road trip where they go to the nearest Planned Parenthood so that they can get the Plan B pill. And of course, wacky shenanigans result, including a stopover to check out Lupe's secret crush that she has been texting with. Uh, that would be Logan, played by Mahala Harold, who is in a band. And yeah, we have different kinds of escapades as we would expect and there's a certain sweetness to this film it's very acerbic in its humor but um yeah as you teased also we're we're trying to do some pretty important messaging about reproductive health but also have a raunchy girls movie at the same time yeah yeah, we are. And, uh, you know, the the raunch really is front and center. Like the the sex scene between Sonny and Kyle is barely that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's more just awkward because neither one of them know what they what they're doing. Yeah, but it's like very uncomfortable because mm-hmm. we linger on every sort of awkward moment <laughs> between mm-hmm. the two of them. It's very it's almost unbearable. The I did like the factor. moment with the squatty potty. Oh my God. <laughs> Because he's not tall enough to reach her on the counter. I was watching this in a group watch with friend of the show, Lucia, and she just texted me. She was like, not the squatty potty. (laughs) It's one of those moments where you think, I almost want to die of embarrassment. Yes. And in fact, that's exactly it. The film is so heavy on cringe moments like that. Mm -hmm. And they're very effective because with the exception of there just being a, a lot more cool kids having a lot more sex than i was familiar with as a teenager Um, they behave like teenagers they are all they are all aged up like some of them comically so um Mm -hmm. but they do all behave like teenagers and so the cringe is very high because almost everyone's actions are extremely relatable to a level of being deeply embarrassing Yeah, and I think that's part of the issue that I had with some of the really big set pieces. Like, there's a moment where they get lost and they have to stop at a convenience store so that they can find their way back to the highway. And they have this encounter with a convenience store woman who uh, ends up saving them from a couple of drunken older men who want to hit on them. And it's kind of the right amount of humor that you would expect Mm. for this where it's a bit of a wild card kind of character actor showing up we've got a a moment of implied danger but no real threat and it ends with a moment of violence but not against characters just property damage but then we transition from that to oh well you can buy a fake id and probably plan b off of my nephew and he he deals out of the local playground so we go and this man basically tries to barter sex for the plan b pill and it gets dark like it's meant to be very funny but it's also like 
like the jokes are flying you know like no it's my problem i'll blow them you know my problem my blow (laughs) and it's amusing but i'm also just like i don't like this humor no like that scene really set out for me um part of what i think the film struggles with is recognizing how vulnerable the two girls are in Mm -hmm. in these kinds of moments um and you know that's not funny (laughs) no there's lots of things that happen in the film that is deeply funny um but that part where they might have to uh against their will perform oral sex on this very skeevy guy in a park Mm -hmm. not funny and I think it's called film, rape and extortion. Yeah. And I think that the film is very kind of cavalier uh, with its mm-hmm. sense of of where humor lies. And sometimes, as I say, sometimes it hits it like it really nails it. And the friendship between the two girls and oh the way God, they tease each other. It. Really, really well done. Those moments where the vulnerability leads to humor really work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just not when the girls are in like physical danger. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that that and there's another sequence where they end up having the van that they've been driving around. It's Sonny's mother's van. It gets stolen. And we think that it might be something nefarious with Lupe's potential girlfriend that she's been crushing on Logan, right? Because she leaves Logan in the car. And then when they come back out, the van is gone. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that it's actually Xander, the lead singer of the band, who is played by Timothy Grandineros. And he's inadvertently taken like PCP or something. So he's running around this house party playing hide and seek. And then at one point, he dangles the keys in front of a window and they say, give us the keys and we'll trade you for this meth necklace, which is just a friendship necklace. (laughs) Yeah, but he thinks it's meth. Yeah. And he punches through the glass yeah. And then he throws himself out the window. This is a, luckily enough a ground floor window. So he's not supremely injured, but he is bleeding from the head and his hands. Mm-hmm. And then they all get stuck in mud. And mm-hmm. so he he looks like a horror movie villain as he's chasing them and pounding on the van when they finally manage to get in. And then they run him over. And again... I totally think that this is par for the course with silly teen films. Like, we've seen this a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. And yet the level of implied violence is life-threatening. Like, this kid would be bleeding. He would have to go to the hospital and get stitches. It's not Logan saying, oh, well, I got to get back there and look after him. Like, we're actually starting to talk about life or death stakes. And it, it is. It's treated too cavalierly for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this ultimately is is the tonal problem of the film is that in general, it's not quite sure what is serious and what is not, you know, mm-hmm. like, there's an example of this that I think is meant, well, it is clearly meant to be the emotional cornerstone of the film, which is right. when they finally make it to the Planned Parenthood. They discover that not only is it like not open, or they'll have to wait a few hours, but it's been closed. Mm hmm. So there's this meditation in the background that the film is really interested in, which is the constriction of reproductive rights in the US, right? Right. So it's not just that like, there's one pharmacist who won't sell it to you. It's that there's one pharmacist who won't sell it to you. And there's no other pharmacy. And when you finally get to the Planned Parenthood, it's been shut down. And the only thing Mm -hmm. left behind are these protesters signs, right? Like, this messaging is reinforced over and over and over again. And so there's this moment when Sunny is just like, it's over. Like, it's all over. I'm... Yeah, we have to give up. 
we have to give up. And she, she falls apart and she's weeping in the parking lot. And it's like this really beautiful emotional moment. And the mm-hmm. acting between like these two leads are fantastic. So good. And the moment feels extremely genuine, but it's almost like the lead up to it has been so broad and so slapstick and so mm-hmm. extreme. Like the car is still completely covered in this mud, which by the way, where did the mud come from? The mud was not there and then it was there, right? So we have like all of this sort of broad, like extreme humor. And then yep. we cut dramatically to the Planned Parenthood scene. And I don't know, I wanted it to work better than it did for me. Like I wanted to feel more of Sonny's experience than I did. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because the tone shifts so often in the film that it it's hard to know what you're meant to be taking seriously until sometimes the moment has already passed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think and maybe this is just because we've watched other films that have maybe handled their tone a little bit better. You know, I was thinking back to our conversation about Unpregnant. Mm-hmm. And how that film was sort of similarly doing, it's a road trip, we need to go out of state, we've got a limited amount of time. That film was about getting an abortion, not a plan B. And maybe it's just that the stakes were already a little bit higher. Like, Sunny doesn't even know that she's actually pregnant. She just can't take the chance. And we should acknowledge that there are cultural differences here. Like, our protagonists are uh, Indian and Mexican. So... There's a racial issue at play for sure. Like, Sunny's got a different kind of parameters that she's working with than the white protagonist of Unpregnant. Mm-hmm. And yet, I would argue both films are trying to make this statement about how difficult it is to get access to reproductive care, particularly when you're a vulnerable underage girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cultural dynamic is actually really interestingly played for both characters. So, both Sunny and Lupe make assumptions about how their parents will react. Yes. Sunny is closer to the truth, but her mother is still capable of being there for her when she needs it. Mm -hmm. Lupe's dad is not nearly the monster that she fears he will be. Right. Something that we haven't really talked about at all is the fact that Lupe is a lesbian and she's sort of has this reputation for being this promiscuous straight girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the version of herself that her father, who's a pastor, is constantly reacting to. Right. And so she's been too scared to tell him that she's gay, but we have this beautiful moment between the two of them at the end of the film where he thinks that something horrible has happened to her because she's mm-hmm. been out all night. Yep. Um, and what he feels is love and and fear and like care, right? And so I, I really like that thread. It would be very easy for the filmmaker to have played into stereotypes about well, immigrant families writ large, but South Asian mm-hmm. families and Mexican-American families in general and sort of like pointing to kind of strictness or to, in Lupe's case, like a, a fundamental sort of religion that undergirds sort of the choices parents make. And in both cases, the girls are actually wrong, that their parents right. care about them as people first and foremost. And I loved that the film did that. Yeah, That actually touches on something else that I was really appreciative of, because there's often a desire to go either too heavily saccharine or to just wrap everything up with a bow at the end of these movies, right? Like, and then it all worked out magically. And I think we get that to a certain degree with the relationship between both parents, right? Where we implicitly understand these girls were maybe not in as much danger as they thought because they have parents who love them and will accept them. Mm Mm-hmm. But 
I fully expected we were going to have a coming out scene for Lupe with her father. And we don't get it. I literally yelled at the TV, Joe. Oh my God, just tell him. Just tell him. Exactly. Because the moment is right. And the film, I think, wisely resists that because it would have been too perfect. It's too movie magic. And similarly, we don't get this moment where Hunter shows up at Sonny's door after all of this has happened and they start talking about how they're going to go out. Like, we have an implied understanding after their date at the Waffle House that he's as interested in her as she was in him all along. And their chemistry is great and they're super cute. cute together. And like, we implicitly understand they're probably going to date, but the movie doesn't need to put a pin in it. And it wisely ends with stuff about the friends, stuff about Sonny's mom accepting her after all. I love the end scene so much because it does so much work. So first of all, Sonny's mom marches back into the same pharmacy and is like, give me the plan B pill. Mm-hmm. But she still, she still says it's for her friend. Her friend yes, it's true. <laughs> because the Indian mafia is still a thing. <laughs> um, but it's so great because they go to the car, she takes the pill, and, you know... It's just this moment of bonding between the three of them. And then mm-hmm. the mom is like, clean up this car. It's disgusting in here. And yep. it's like, they're not totally off the hook. Like they did steal, like, steal a car and yep. stuff. Um, and it feels very honest and very real to me. There's also a lovely callback to the the penis ring, uh, mm-hmm. which is gross uh, when she sniffs <laughs> it. Um, but I think that in general, it's really wise that the film does not turn into a rom-com, right? That would have yes. been really easy. It would have been really easy. And this is what I honestly thought was going to happen. Yep. That when they lose the car, they were going to call Hunter and Hunter comes and rescues them and he would take them to the 24 hour pharmacy and they would find a pharmacist who would dispense the pill and they would go home. That is absolutely what I thought was going to happen. And so when the film resists letting there be a knight in shining armor and resists letting the central focus be the relationship with Hunter, I was really impressed by that. Yeah. And it almost makes it harder then that some of these scenes don't land as well as we would hope or they they feel jarring and disconnected because when the film gets it right it really gets it right yeah it's one of those moments right where you want to scream like you know what you're doing why are you doing this (laughs) yeah i i don't like to make assumptions but i'm gonna do one right now which is to say i i wonder how much of this is we need to play to a bit of a studio system and Mm. they're going to expect these big bridesmaids level moments of huge comedy right like we need to have the penis ring ripped out because it's a moment of high hilarity and even camp Mm. and that then allows us to have the quieter moments about race about class about uh family and that kind of stuff like some of this feels like it's a concession because we needed to justify having the quieter moments yeah i would buy that because the film is doing a lot of very interesting subversive things like lupe doesn't shave her armpits and we have a scene Mm -hmm. where she's just like hanging out and one of the other girls makes fun of her um but it's very you know there are these kinds of uh what i think of as very subversive within the ya genre moments And you're right that maybe the film buys the opportunity to do that because they can kind of cloak that in and amongst the gross out humor when really it's doing something a lot different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I don't know if you would have seen this movie, but there is a very funny gross out girl comedy called Blockers about no. girls who are very much like Sunny, where they're relatively straight laced kind of 
good students, uh, well-meaning daughters, and they have a kind of American Pie virginity pact before prom, they're going to have sex. And the parents find out about it, and it's half the kids and half the parents, and the parents are like so crazed with preventing the sex from happening that they become more adolescent than their daughters. <laughs> It's very funny, very smart as well. Um, but it, it reminds me that there is this almost like burgeoning subgenre of gross out teen girl humor. And I think it's a matter of navigating it in a way that doesn't feel like you're just trying to do boy gross out humor, but with girls, because girls can be gross because we're progressive. And thinking about how do we do this in a way that feels authentic and genuine and also is still getting our point across? Because I think in the case of plan B, it just feels like, well, we need something really funny here and yeah. let's go for gross out. Yeah, agreed. Totally agreed. I uh, I like this idea of sort of the gross out as as the feminist response to mm -hmm. like bro humor and uh and when it were as you said when it works in this film it really does work so it's a shame that it's not more even mm -hmm. that said i totally if if you're just looking for something to watch this weekend right. you should watch plan b it's a lot of fun it's yeah. worth watching it's definitely worth watching with like the teens in your life because i think it asks some really interesting questions mm -hmm. um and i think that we're gonna see more and more of these films about reproductive freedoms and trying to have the conversation in different kinds of ways because i don't think the situation's getting any better mm -hmm. now one final thing just because i was reflecting back on our conversation about Unpregnant. And at the same time, I think we were talking about the Jenna Ortega school shooting film, The Fallout. Mm. We were doing a lot of thinking around this time last year about how these important films weren't getting a theatrical release. Mm. This is another one. This one went to Hulu in the US and it came to Disney Plus here in Canada. I understand. Can I just, well, I'm going to get to that point, but I also want to say, because it's the first thing I said to Devin when I finished watching the film the other night, was like, I don't think Americans understand how weird it is that Canadians get all of this stuff in the Disney app. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It remains so weird to me that I was sitting watching the Disney app and seeing like, full dong and people mm -hmm. do pcp and like <laughs> it's yeah. just so weird it is such an interesting branding choice that has been made for the canadian market that i will Absolutely never quite yeah. be able to wrap my head around all this to say yeah this is very truly a hulu production right and i think in many ways much like we've talked about what got changed in Love, Victor when it moved from Disney to Hulu, right? right. Like what what was the sort of expectation of the rating ramp up? Mm -hmm. I think we see a lot of that here, right? This is like, this has, oh, yeah. this I am a Hulu film <laughs> written all over it. And so, you know, again, I think, I mean, I don't know if my perceptions are right. It seems to me that Hulu is a fairly widely accessible streaming service in comparison mm -hmm. with something like HBO Max. So it's interesting that the more sort of serious meditations on this topic are still buried on the more difficult to access streaming platforms. Right. Um, whereas, you know, you could honestly, you could watch this, like if you were only kind of half paying attention and scrolling your phone at the same time and kind mm -hmm. of miss the like strong critique of the oh. reproductive rights uh, breakdown in the US, you know? A hundred percent. I think 
to me felt the most confined to that moment where they get to the Planned Parenthood. And then there's some of it wrapped up in the like, why is this so hard? Oh, why can't we just go to a 24 hour pharmacy? Why do we have to be of a certain age and that kind of stuff? Like that's there. But yeah, to me, it it's really narrowly focused and condensed into that one moment when they get to the Planned Parenthood. But at the same time, this movie doesn't couch what it's trying to do. Like, it's pretty obvious why they have to go to such extreme lengths. Yeah. And it's not just a cultural issue. It's an accessibility issue. And I think even if you were half paying attention scrolling on your phone, you would get it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And the title, the title is definitely like on its sleeve. Yes. <laughs> Although, man, it's amazing to me how many people don't understand the difference between emergency contraception and the abortion pill. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's because people are stupid and also <laughs> sex education is not is either not doing what it needs to do because we're afraid of being frank with young people. Yeah. Or uh we have cut it back so severely because we think it conflicts with religious points of view. Well, I mean it absolutely requires you understanding like how reproduction works and the yep. reproductive system in order to understand what these medications are doing, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's this moral imperative around plan B, which makes no sense when you, if you understand that it's really just high dose birth control. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and I, I did feel that frustration through the film. Like I really wanted to ask the pharmacist, like, do you dispense birth control? Like what is going on here? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. We haven't had that conversation. But the, the term that this pharmacist used is oh. it's a conscience clause, right? Yeah. He says, I decline to dispense this medication. Right. Because it's his choice whether or not someone should have access to medication that is freely available. Oh, my God. Does that happen here, Joe? I need to look up if that happens here. That makes my mind melt. Yeah, I, I had heard of the term before, but I didn't know if it was unique to certain states or countries. Like, you know what I think is BS? Viagra as a concept. Do I get to like not dispense Viagra? Oh, every time we talk about abortion rights, I often think about, you know, if women were in control of who was able to access Viagra or other penis enhancing, blah, 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 performance enhancing stuff. Uh the debate would be over very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I think the film does, in those moments, when it gets that language just so exactly right, it is really effective. Yeah. And I, I know we've said this, but I just, I keep coming back to the fact that the parts that are so good make me so frustrated about the parts that are so blah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Overall, this to me is a, a mostly successful film. Like I think I rated Agreed. it three and a half out of five. There are moments that are genius and it feels like it nearly hits a four and a half though. Mm -hmm. And that's where the film is really, really good. Like I, I want to see way more of these two actresses because the mm -hmm. friendship and the chemistry, the jokes, their ability to do physical comedy, as well as like wordplay stuff, really great actresses. Mm -hmm. I think the movie has a lot going for it. It just somehow, yes, makes the parts that are eh, just a little bit more. Ugh. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Can we play bingo? Can we play bingo? Yeah, let's play bingo. Bingo! Not a good bingo. So we have a female director and screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Co-screenwriter. Yep. Um, I want a perfect date for The Waffle House, oh, obviously. So great. Let's hear it for 
a mediocre white boy uh, love interest mm-hmm. who is super sex positive and feminist. Yeah, I, I kept waiting for the floor to fall out from under him because I didn't. Yeah. I thought he was too good to be true to yeah. the extent that I wondered, Brenna, manic pixie dream person. Oh, 100% manic pixie dream person. Yes, agreed, agreed, agreed. <laughs> Very much so. Um, Obviously, we're on a road trip. Yeah. Obviously, we're on borrowed time. As yes. Sunny keeps reminding us, plan B is only effective for 48 hours after. Mm-hmm. So you got to get that pill. Um, I'm also going to say aged up because okay. uh, yeah, that, that drug dealer is supposed to be 17, Joe. Absolutely not. <laughs> Just wild. And definitely, obviously, good friendship for the girls. I love them together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to say gentle stunt casting for Rachel Dracht as the say, sex yeah. ed teacher. We also have a dead body in the form of Lupe's mother. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do we call it coincidental class if we get a really bad sex education with a hilarious... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, this metaphor of women's bodies as cars that you shouldn't tarnish and just the debate like this to me was where the film was really finding success between silliness, but Mm -hmm. also wordplay, but also jokes. Yeah, I super, super loved the classroom debate. I thought it was fantastic. Like Rachel Dratch losing control of her classroom was very funny and I would absolutely give it to coincidental classes. Mm. Would we say ableism if this indian pharmacist says that it goes against his conscience to give out something hmm probably not huh? no that's more just discriminatory so. it's just discriminatory and it's just awful <laughs> we need to square this to something that makes brenna go Ugh. yeah well i guess the final one then is queer secondary character for logan who logan. shows up like two-thirds of the way through the film and is delightful and honestly, that scene of just the two of them chatting together could be another perfect date. Uh-huh. Oh, 100%. Yeah, good chemistry, too, between the romantic partners. Although all I could think the whole time was you guys are making that van smell so much like weed. Oh, so much vaping from Lupe. <laughs> oh, too much. Too much. Popcorn lung. Although Sunny does call her on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just thought it's funny. Like, do you not think that Sunny's mom is going to be able to smell the fact that the inside of the van smells like a weed factory? Yeah, I was also like, you have more driving to do, and it's very late at night. Marijuana is not an excellent choice here. No, you <laughs> definitely should be doing cocaine. Let's well, move on. <laughs> In fairness, Sunny does accidentally do that amphetamine. There is, yeah, no, there is that too. <laughs> okay, so uh, Brenna, before we say where we're headed next, how do people get in touch with us? If you want to get in touch with us because you saw a movie with too much penis in it this week, you can find us on the hashtag HKHSPod or at HKHSPod on the Twitters. Joe, where do they find you? Uh, I would like to clarify that there is no such thing, but if you would like to recommend movies with penis in them to me, I can be reached at Beast on my remote, and that's the letter B. This one was too much, Joe. It was not pleasant to look at. I'm and just I- saying, Brenna, I also watch Wild Things this week, so... <laughs> I've seen a lot of penis on screen. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, and that's Gray with an A. And for anything long form, you want to get something in our mailbag or you're reading towards book club, Apple by Eric Gansworth this month, you can find us on hkhspod at gmail.com. 
Hmm. Yeah. So uh, the time has come, Brenna, for us to venture across the pond once again. So for next week's full length episode, we're going to go middle grade and we're taking a suggestion from listener Alma, who uh, recommended a German text for us. So we're going to look at Emile and the Detectives by Eric Kastner, which is a book from 1929. Mm. And it technically has two different adaptations, but we're going to check out the black and white one from 1964 that was directed by Peter Tewksbury. Okay, I am excited. This is so far out of my frame of reference that it it's going to be interesting, if nothing else. So mm-hmm. I'm into it. The book yeah. is short too, folks, if you want to read along. Very short, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued. I, I know so little about this. It's one of those, oh, this is why we do this, because yeah, totally. we get to check out something wasn't on our radar at all. Absolutely. So thank you for the suggestion, Alma. And uh, yeah, tune in to find out more about that next week. So until next time, folks, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. I'll confess, I I can't remember. Actually, no, it's right there. Um, (laughs) Something that we haven't really talked about at all is that, you know, Lupe, Lupe, And it turns out that it's actually Xander, the lead singer of the band, who is played by Timothy Granad, who is played by Timothy Gradineros. Nope. Okay, so uh, Brenna, before we say where we're headed next, how do people get in touch with us? Oh. <laughs> Are you good? Is that good? Yeah, Are you I'm good. sticking with I'm that good. take? Okay. <laughs> and I'm at these. No, that's you. That's me. 